It's episode 79 of the Keto for Women show. You're listening to the Keto for Women show, and I'm your host and nutritionist, Sean Miner. This show is designed to empower women to find their own expression of the keto diet to maximize their health and happiness. Now let's get started with today's episode. Hey, hey, friends. Welcome back. Thanks, as always, for joining me on this episode of Keto for Women Another keto hot seat coming at you in just a few minutes. We have some great questions that you all have sent in to me, and I'll go through that whole process in case you want to get in on an upcoming keto hot seat episode. But first, let's just chat a little bit about some things going on around here. As some of you know, I've done a few webinars in the past, gosh, probably six months or so, and they've always been about keto for hormones and just learning more about our bodies as women and how keto can help it and all of that good stuff, which basically is what we talk about here on the Keto for Women show as well. But I like doing webinars because they're live and you can see my face and I have slides, so it makes it a little bit easier to follow. It's just kind of a different way to convey the information that we talk about here and that I'm just really passionate about sharing just in a different format. So I'm doing it again, except this time we have a whole new topic and something I am super excited to start sharing more about. Again, it's things that we talk about here on Keto for Women. I think I've even done a few episodes specifically about this, but I think it needs more attention. I think it is a topic that we need to be talking about more as women and especially women in the ketogenic space. So take into the webinar platform to do so, and you will also see more information on my blog, and just you'll notice me talking about this concept more on social media channels. Just I really want to dive into this more in 2019 and really get you guys to understand what's truly going on in your body as it relates to dieting. So this webinar coming up is going to be nine reasons why your diet isn't working. So this can be keto. For a lot of you listening, it probably is going to be keto. And maybe you are that person that has done keto for a while or just started and you're not feeling all those benefits or seeing all of those benefits that you thought were going to happen because that's what happens with people when they go keto. So we're going to look into that. But of course, it is also pertaining to other types of diets. Your past kind of maybe weight loss or HCG diet or calorie restriction diet, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, all these things that we do to our food intake and to manipulate that in order to achieve a certain goal, what is happening when that doesn't work, which is the case for pretty much all diets to some degree, right? And it is part of that mentality. So we're going to go through some of the mental stuff that happens, the physical stuff, the other health issues that could be at play there, the food you're putting on your plate and how that's affecting your body. Just lots of really good stuff to take away from that webinar and just talking about this in general. So I hope you all can make it. That will be Friday, December 28th, which is in two weeks if you're listening to this when it airs. Yes, it is right in the holiday season. It's right between Christmas and New Year, but we all know that that's kind of the time where we start thinking about diets, honestly, and we start trying to figure out what the next step is for us to be healthy in 2019. Maybe you want to lose a certain amount of weight. Maybe you want to gain a certain amount of muscle. Maybe you want to have a health issue disappear or go into remission or just feel a little better. There's a lot of good things going on in between this Christmas and New Year situation where we're making new goals. And so I would really like to get in to your goal making process around that time and help you create something that's going to last. That's why I'm doing it on Friday, December 28th. It will be at noon Mountain Standard Time, which if you're working, hopefully you can take a lunch break and join me live. If you're off or not working, hopefully you can 
just have a cup of tea with me and we'll chat on this webinar. So be on the lookout for enrollment. We have to have you enroll in order for you to get the link to join the webinar live or to get the recording afterwards. You have to enroll. So I know that you want that. So be on the lookout for that. That will be coming in a few days. Early next week, I will be opening enrollment for that free webinar around that time. So be on the lookout for that coming up soon. And I'll remind you next week on the show as well. And then of course, want to remind you of the upcoming Fat Burning Female Project course going on January 4th is when we get our materials delivered. We officially start class Monday, January 7th. And one day enrollment is January 1st. So New Year's Day enrollment is a one day enrollment because it does always sell out. So if you are wanting to join in on the Fat Burning Female Project and start 2019 off on the right keto foot and learning how to do keto for your body and learning what is going on in your body that needs to be healed or managed or figured out in order to get truly healthy please join me and your future FBF friends on January 1st. Get into class and we will get started that first week. And by mid-February, you will be good to go. And I can say with a decent amount of confidence that you will not think much about your diet past then for the rest of your life. I was going to say for the rest of 2019, but let's just go the rest of your life because it's true. You'll feel a lot more confident about what you're doing, what your body's doing, what you're healing, what you're working on, and how to make it all a lifestyle, how to go on from there into this really nice lifestyle that's just not stressful. It's easy. You just focus on what your body needs and wants and stay in ketosis. And it is really just life-changing. It really truly is. So hope you all can join me in January. Please keep in mind that this is the first ever class of what we're calling 2.0 Fat Burning Female Project. So we've done a lot of updates. We've added more content. We've added assessments, which is a really cool feature within the class now. Not like a test. Don't worry about that. You won't be tested within the class, but they're just little assessments just to keep you thinking about some things. And it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. It's very easy to follow, very easy to understand. You will know exactly how to use the course, what the course is going to do for you. It's just cool. I cannot wait for you all to see it. I am super excited about it, as you can tell. Before we move on with this episode, just a quick reminder to go ahead and check out our Keto for Women sponsor, Fat Fuel Company, over at fatfuelcompany.com. They are making pre-packaged little pouches of our fatty drinks that we know and love, like our fatty coffees, our fatty cocos with the MCT oil powder and the coconut oil powder and grass-fed butter powder, all with organic coffee or organic cocoa. That's it. The ingredients are really simple. And all you have is just a pouch that you put in some hot water, you whip it up, and it is the best tasting little hot drinks that you can have. They are great to take with you to work or on a trip. Just whenever you know you're going to be needing that extra fat in your keto diet and you want to make it really easy, you don't want to have to worry about taking all the ingredients and all the coffees and all that stuff. All you need now with the help of Fat Fuel Company is a spoon and some hot water. It's so easy. I want to make sure you give it a try. You can head to fatfuelcompany.com. Use the coupon code KETO, the number for women, for 20% off your order. That will be at the Amazon checkout. Once you have gotten all of the stuff you want to try from Fat Fuel Company in your cart, make sure you add that coupon code to your Amazon order for 20% off. You guys are going to love it. They are great snacks. They're great breakfasts. You just want to have them around just for all those inconvenient times where you need more fats or you just want something warm. That's fatfuelcompany.com. All right, that will do it for my announcements for today. Now we can get into our keto hot seat questions. As a reminder, if you haven't ever listened to a Keto Hot Seat episode, which there are now many of them, so I would encourage you to go back and listen to them. We have some great questions that are brought to me 
via social media channels from listeners. So I call out for keto hot seat questions. I take them for about 24 hours. I take them all in and then spend the next few months as it's seeming to be going through the questions that I've gotten from listeners and really trying to as succinctly as possible answer those questions. It's super fun. It allows me to get through about 10 to 15 questions per episode. And I really enjoy it because it's stuff that you guys are wondering and need to know about in order to become the healthiest versions of yourself. So it's great. I will be asking for more questions here pretty soon. So be on the lookout if you do have a keto hot seat question that you want to be answered on the podcast in the beginning of 2019. Keep it handy. Make sure you have it ready and make sure you check on my Instagram and Facebook channels for that request. You will see it in a post and I will ask for the questions to be just put in the comments. It'll be open for 24 hours and that's it. I know that social media is a little weird now and you don't see everybody's posts and it doesn't make sense. I get that. But it really is the best way for me to gather the most amount of questions in the quickest way possible and somewhat organized fashion. So that's just what we're going to keep on doing for the meantime. All right, let's get into question number one. Quick question. You recommend eating loads of low-carb vegetables, but how do you do this and still stay keto? Good question, because I do recommend eating loads of low-carb veggies and some higher-carb veggies, too, if you tolerate those and feel good eating them and stay in ketosis, all that good stuff. But it really is something where every single one of us has to find our own threshold. We have to find those vegetables that we feel really good eating, are nutrient-dense, and don't push us out of ketosis or don't cause our blood sugar to spike enough to get us out of quote unquote fat burning mode. So that's going to be different for everybody. We all have different thresholds and we all have different vegetables and different foods and different tolerances. So this is where it becomes finding your version of keto, finding out what works for you. And it's really fun. If you can think of it kind of as this experiment where you're your own case study and see what happens. Add more vegetables. Really focus on those vegetables that look and sound really good to you because those are also most likely the vegetables carrying the nutrients you may be deficient in. Our bodies are really smart, so they're going to tell us that. So focus on those vegetables that sound really good and you could really eat a lot of. And start there first and then eat a plate or however much of a serving sounds good to you, full of different kinds of veggies, and then wait a little bit and test your ketones. If they are low and you're not registering on your meter, then maybe cut back on the serving size and or try different vegetables. The next set of vegetables that sound really appealing to you And just that's a kind of a way to, I guess, gauge your threshold and also figure out which foods work for you and don't work for you as far as veggies go. And you can do this, of course, with all different kinds of foods, which we've talked about here quite a bit on the show. So you just have to really figure out your own tolerance and it really will come easy after that. Once you know how your body does with vegetables on their own, but then also in combination and in a certain quantity, then you just know that. And you don't have to continue to do this experiment on yourself. This really is just going to be maybe a couple weeks worth of experimenting. And it leads to so much more knowledge about your body and so much more knowledge about keto and your body that then that's where this lifestyle piece comes in. And after this experiment, you just got it. You just know what's up and you'll kind of keep within that general range. Sometimes maybe you'll add other vegetables. Sometimes maybe you'll have less quantity or more quantity, but you have that general guideline to keep you there. And I just want to make a note that for most people, it is a lot more vegetables than you think before you get kicked out of ketosis. Like, quite a bit more. So, you know, there's definitely that kind of talk in the keto community that vegetables are bad or stay away from them or eat very little of them. That's kind of the like old version of keto, I like to think of it. And then this new version of keto is like just super nutrient dense and just eat all the vegetables because we want to get 
these nutrients from our food that we need so desperately. So you have to keep the vegetables in and in a pretty good quantity too. So please don't fear them. Just find your tolerance and you'll be good to go. Next up, once fat adapted, should we try to stay in ketosis 24-7, 365 days a year? Great question, and I did kind of address this in an episode that was a few weeks ago about how to know if you should do keto long-term or how long should you do keto, I think is what it's titled. So go back and listen to that. I think that will give you some ideas of my thoughts on this. But to put it a little bit quicker, I'll say that no, I personally don't think that you absolutely have to stay in ketosis 24-7, 365. I mean, some people do. And that's great. And they feel really good doing so. And it's really easy for them to do so. But a lot of us want to make this more of a lifestyle. And with that comes some opportunities for us where it makes sense to our happiness level or to just our life to add in that sweet potato or to have, you know, a cup of rice when you go out for sushi or something like that, where we do have this flexibility. And yeah, it's going to potentially kick you out of ketosis. But that is something that you have made part of this lifestyle. And that's where I really see this becoming the healthy version of a keto healing protocol is where you do know when those times are appropriate, when it is a good time to go in and out of ketosis for you and your body and what you're working on with your health. So of course, the answer is up to you. But in general, I would say if you are working on building a keto lifestyle and you want to do this for a while, then it may be okay for you to go out of ketosis here and there for that lifestyle piece and to really make this feel like it's something that you could do for the long term. If that's kind of what you need in order to get there, then I don't see any problem with you making that decision for yourself and taking some brief moments out of ketosis. And maybe there aren't brief, maybe they're a couple days or a couple weeks or a couple months. That's something that you'll have to decide for yourself. And like I mentioned, go back and listen to that episode and it will help shine a light on that for you. And just as a reminder, the big thing that I want to point out here is if you go out of ketosis and start producing that level of ketones that you're used to for a day, a couple hours, a week even, even a few weeks, that doesn't mean that you're not fat adapted anymore. You can still be fat adapted. You can still be in this metabolic flexibility, which we're all trying to build here as keto for womeners, but you will still be there whether you are in ketosis or not. And your body will still know when to use sugar for fuel and when to use fat as fuel. So keep that in mind that it's not like if you get bumped out of ketosis that you're just have to start from the scratch and the very beginning, your body doesn't know what to do again. It has learned that process. You've taught that to it over this time that you've been keto and making this transition. And that doesn't go away in the course of one day or two days. So don't worry about that. Just enjoy your life and figure out what that means for you. And there are going to be people that have some sort of health issues where they do need to stay keto 24-7, 365 right now. And if that's you, then that's a choice that you're going to make based on your health, right? And based on what you need to do to get into this place of true health. And then from there, you will have maybe a little bit more flexibility there. And that's something to address in the future. So again, lots of different ways to go with this, but we all have the answer ourselves and our body's telling us and our lifestyle's telling us and showing us. It's just a matter of listening and making the best choice. What are your thoughts on fiber? I don't have any known digestive issues, but excess fiber causes major digestive distress. Do we really need fiber? I'm so much happier eating a low fiber diet, but I know it's promoted often as a great thing. Thanks. All right. Interesting question. And I really like this question because there's a lot of kind of misinformation, I think, out there in the world that needs to be cleared up around fiber. Because the thing with fiber is, yes, it can definitely help a lot of digestive issues. If you are constipated, adding fiber can help you become unconstipated and start going again. But it can also 
hinder that even further and cause more constipation. And the same thing goes if you have quick digestion and are prone to diarrhea. At some point, you can actually take fiber and it will bulk up your stool a little bit, whereas other times it causes you to have even worse diarrhea. So there is definitely a fine line for everybody and their amount of fiber they're taking. We'll call it the fiber sweet spot. That's going to be different, of course, for everybody. Again, as is every question that I answer, it's all based on our own individual needs. But The coolest thing with most of us, at least, is that if we are focusing on this real food, ketogenic, highly nutrient-dense diet, which goes back to the question about all the veggies, if we're really making veggies a focus of our keto diet, then you're going to be getting the amount of fiber you need for most of us just by that, just by the food you're putting on your plate on a daily basis. If you're tending towards more of a carnivore or high-fat zero carb situation with your food and you're having digestive issues, then that may be something to consider that maybe your fiber intake is off. But if that's the case, I would recommend getting it from real food and not taking a fiber supplement if at all possible and see how that goes. This person in particular is having digestive distress when she eats a lot of fiber. And that is the case for a lot of people. And they don't understand because They're told to eat fiber by their doctor when they're backed up or they're having other sorts of digestive issues and it's supposed to make it all good. And a lot of times it doesn't because you're ODing essentially on fiber and that fiber supplement. And you can kind of think of it this way. Say we have our pipe that runs from our bathtub. So our bathtub pipe, and it now has a hairball that has caused it to be stopped up. If you put in another giant clump of hairball or something else, it's not going to make it move any further. It's not going to cause enough pressure to do that and keep it and get it to unclog. It's just going to create a bigger clog, right? It's just going to create even more of an issue in that pipe that then you need to try to find something else to unclog. So Think of it that way. Instead of putting another clogging agent, which fiber can be, into the pipe, we want to put something that would loosen that up, which would be even just water. Making sure you're getting enough water is one of the best ways to clear yourself out. Magnesium is a great way to do that too. So we often tend to go towards the fiber if we're having digestive issues, which sometimes that's only going to perpetuate the problem. So keep that in mind. I'm not saying that fiber is unnecessary, which is the question really here in this hot seat question is, do we really need fiber? Yeah, you do really need fiber, but in that sweet spot for you, not really anymore. And like I said, a lot of us aren't going to need a supplemental fiber support, but you also don't want to go too low with fiber either because you will start noticing those digestive issues again, which may be happening if you're kind of in that high protein, zero carb place with keto. One thing I do want to mention here is that if you are noticing digestive issues when you are just eating a real food fibrous meal, like maybe some broccoli or something like that, there is going to be a little bit of digestive distress potentially because that is a very hard thing meal for our bodies to break down. So you may notice a little bit of gas or something along those lines. But if you're noticing a significant digestive issue when you're eating fibrous veggies, then that is often a sign of some sort of imbalance going on in your body, which could be an overgrowth of something or dysbiotic flora in your gut, something along those lines. So while you're not noticing any known digestive issues, that doesn't mean there's not something going on. And it may be worth considering doing some testing if that's something that continues when you do try to add in some of this vegetable fiber. All right, next one. I have started to train more lifting weights and have noticed it's more difficult to stay in ketosis because I'm more and more hungry and it means eating more. How to restart my eating and get back in ketosis and stay there. First of all, huge, huge, huge props to you for starting to train more and lifting more weights. I think we all know how I feel about that. And so I'm really, really happy for you, really excited for you to start seeing those benefits. So keep that up. Now, 
One thing, of course, that happens to all of us when we start training harder and maybe more often is that we do notice our hunger picks up. And this is a great thing. This means that you are needing more energy because you're burning more energy. And that is a really awesome thing that really is great for your metabolism. It's basically just a sign that your metabolism is spiking back up, which a lot of us want, I think, right? So this is a good thing. Don't see this as bad at all. What you have to do though is eat more. So if you're hungry, you have to eat more, which it sounds like you're doing. So good thing that you're doing that. Now, of course, we need to talk about what you're eating more of. It might be a case where now that you're working out harder and building more muscle and lifting these weights and potentially kind of, you know, what we do when we lift weights is we tear our muscle fibers and then we have to rebuild them and they rebuild stronger. That's very basic concept of what happens when we lift weights. So that all involves more macronutrients and different macronutrients than you're eating right now, perhaps. So it might be a case where you need to eat more protein and even more carbohydrates right now for you to actually feel satisfied. So I would expect you to feel hungrier, but it may be a case where just altering your macronutrients a little bit from the keto diet that you're used to doing would make it so that you don't have this ravenous constant hunger because you are getting the macronutrients that you need at this new ratio that you need perhaps because of this added stressor and muscle on your body. So keep that in mind. It may be a case where you actually need to change your macros a little bit in even a way further from your typical keto in order for you to get back into ketosis, which sounds crazy, but we really want to focus on keeping our body's needs met. And that is when keto happens in the most beneficial way. And you may not be doing that on your keto diet prior to lifting weights now that you are back in the gym. Now, I haven't really answered the question yet because I wanted to kind of talk about that a little bit is there is the possibility of needing to change around your macros and don't be scared to do so. You may find that you get back into ketosis easier, which I have a feeling will be the case. But what I really want to talk about here is that what is most important beyond keto, especially when you start lifting more, so not so much looking at what your meter says, but how you're feeling. Because there's also the case that happens quite commonly where you're producing ketones and you're immediately burning them in your workout. And so your ketone meter will show up as being really low, but it's because you're utilizing them as soon as you're producing ketones. And that's also a really great thing. Nothing to be concerned about. So if you go by how you feel and you still feel like you're in ketosis, if your workouts are going really well, and if you feel good, then it may not be something where you even need to worry about finding those numbers back up where you're used to having them. Just keep feeling good and keep doing that and you'll get there and you'll be doing just as much good for yourself there. Also, if you are going to test ketones, make sure you're doing it far enough away from your workout. So at least two hours, I would say probably more like three or four, might give you a more accurate reading, again, because you're not immediately burning through those ketones, which happens even after your workouts as you repair right away. So you will have potentially a higher reading later on if you do wait longer before you test. So just go by how you feel. Don't make it, you know, a super stressful case to try to get back into ketosis. Just be proud of yourself for actually doing the workouts. Now, one more quick thing that I do have to address is the case of this person using the fact that she's now training harder and more and lifting weights as an excuse or giving herself permission, quote unquote, to eat everything in sight and to not take notice as to the quality of the food or the nutrient density of the food. Because I've seen this as a former personal trainer and now as a nutritionist, I see a lot of people who start on a training regimen and it's something that they haven't done before, haven't done this hard before, it's a new kind of workout. And then they kind of see that as just this reason to blow their diet. And it's something that is 
just has so much more behind it than just, you know, wanting to eat everything in sight because you're hungry. It's more of an emotional eating type pattern. But I do want to mention that and bring that up again. I have no idea if this is the case for this person. But if that's the case for you, I do just want to bring that up because it's a real thing. And no, working out doesn't mean you can eat everything in sight. You still have to have that intuitive piece to it. You have to want and know that your best benefit and your best health will come from fueling your body appropriately for the next workout. Just think about that. You know, when I was having issues trying to figure this all out for myself several years ago, all I thought about was what do I need to do and eat to fuel and be ready for the next workout? So in two days, when I do this all again, what do I need to do to feel the best and feel ready then so that I can have this awesome workout? It's not going to be just eating everything in sight. It's going to be eating really nutrient-dense foods, getting really good high-quality protein sources, really good healthy fats in the right quantities, and maybe even some real food carbohydrates to help replenish your glycogen stores. If you think about all that and you really just make it so that you want to fuel appropriately in between every workout, then you will make the best choices for yourself. It'll become much more intuitive. You don't have to worry about any ratios or any calories or anything like that. You just need to fuel yourself and fuel that workout that you're now doing. All right. I think I covered everything with that. I had a lot of different kind of levels that I wanted to talk about there, but really great question. And I hope that you can, you know, either find what you need to get back into ketosis or just find what works for you to feel really good and your workouts feel really good. Then you don't have to necessarily worry about the ketones you're producing. You can just go by how you feel too. Before we move on with the show, I just want to give a special shout out to our podcast sponsor for this episode, Artisana Organics. As you all know, Artisana specializes in the best nut butters you will ever find with the cleanest ingredients you will ever find because it's literally just nuts in most of their nut butters. And they take pride in the quality of their nuts, making sure they are both organic and raw, something that is super important to me and what I select when looking for nuts and nut butters because I want to get all the nutrients from the nuts that I'm eating and making sure that they're raw, making sure that they're free of chemicals and pesticides is the best way to do so, obviously. Artisana has taken that all into account for us and created these amazing nut butters. They have things like pecan butter, cashew butter, almond butter, and of course, coconut butter, which is so important to all of us in this keto space, looking for a nice, high-fat, healthy snack. It's one of my favorite go-tos, getting a coconut butter pack, taking it along with me in my purse or on the plane or in the car, wherever I'm going, just if I need a little keto something. It's so convenient. I would love for you to try Artisana Organics if you haven't already. I know a lot of you have, and you're probably already as much of a fan as I am. But if not, or if you just want to get another order and really stock up, now is the chance to do so because Artisana is giving all Keto for Women listeners 15% off their first online order when they use the code KETO, the number for women, over on their website, artisanaorganics.com. That's KETO, the number four for women to get 15% off your first online order. So definitely stock up. As I mentioned last week and on my newsletter as well, you will want to also check out their holiday flavors that are going on right now for the season. Such a great gift to maybe give yourself or someone else that you want to provide a nice healthy treat for them. So take a peek over at that. You can get 15% off there too. Again, that's artisanaorganics.com coupon code keto, the number four women, and a big thank you to Artisana for sponsoring this show and making it come to life. Moving on, what do you think a woman should do when their LDL cholesterol increases over 300 on keto? I'm a lean mass hyper responder with triglycerides of 63 and HDL of 132, but I'm worried. I totally understand your concern. And to be honest, I don't think that it is unwarranted. Of course, we know that cholesterol and even LDL cholesterol isn't the end all be all to determine our heart health or 
our cardiovascular health or anything like that. And we have heard that time and time again in this keto community. And if you don't know that yet, I would recommend you go back to listen to the episode I did with Dr. Trudy Deacon. I think it's in the 20s or 30s. I can't remember, but we'll have that episode linked in the show notes. Go back and listen to that so you can get a little bit of an overview as to what cholesterol actually means and the different types of cholesterol and how they all work in our bodies. So we know that that is not necessarily something to be concerned about, but it's not something to completely ignore either, in my opinion. Now, what has been coming about lately, and again, probably something that you've heard or read if you're in the keto know, I guess, these days is how our genetics may be at play for what happens with our cholesterol readings, especially when we're eating a high fat diet, because there are what's called the APOE genotypes. So APOE genotypes, that stands for apolipoprotein E. So this is a genotype. There are three different forms of the APO genes. There's APOE2, APOE3, and APOE4. So we're given two different forms of this. So basically, there's six different kind of variations of this. Like you can be 2-2, 2-3, 2-4, 3-3, 4 and 4-4. Four, four. Okay, so those are the different variants that you can be. Now, Every form of these genotypes has a different way of metabolizing cholesterol. So it basically is kind of determining how your body metabolizes cholesterol. So based on these different expressions that you may have, you may metabolize cholesterol differently. Now, I think that there's definitely a lot more to learn here. I think there's a lot of people that obviously don't know what genotype they have. I've had it done through a doctor of mine, so it is something that you can get tested. It was a naturopath, actually. And you can also get it through 23andMe, I believe, as well. So it may be worth doing that just so you know, so you have some understanding of if you are kind of a slow metabolizer or fast metabolizer of cholesterol. And so the APOE2 is fast, APOE3 is medium, APOE4 is slow. You can kind of think of it that way, although there's much more scientific terms to describe that, but that's how you can think of that in a basic way. And so if you have kind of an APOE4, there's a good chance that you are a slow metabolizer of cholesterol, and you also may not do well with saturated fats. This also kind of determines which fats your body prefers or you metabolize better. Obviously, the ones with higher saturated fat would produce more cholesterol in your body, and so that would be a slower metabolizer of that. Now, I think that this kind of brings up a lot of fear for some people in the keto community who find out that they have this APOE4 genotype, and then they start thinking if keto is not right for them, if they shouldn't be eating high fat. And I really don't think that's the case. And I think a lot of people in the keto community agree with me, and even people not in the keto community would agree that you don't have to lower your fat intake necessarily all that much, but you really need to get a good variety of fats. And this is the case for everybody. I've said this multiple times. So before we get down this whole rabbit hole of what genes we have and if the keto is good or not, or if we shouldn't be eating saturated fats at all, and if it's going to cause all this stuff, rather we can just from the get-go, whether you know the genotype you have or not, just get a good variety of fats every single day. You should not be eating things that are high in saturated fats all the time, every day, all day. So the creams and the butters and the fatty meats and all that stuff, they're great. They're awesome. But you need to get other things too. You can have that, but then you also need to make sure you're having the avocados and avocado oil and nuts and seeds and nut butters and coconut and coconut oil, just all the varieties of fats every day. If you do that, you won't have this issue. So when I see this high LDL cholesterol with someone that is a lean mass hyper responder and triglycerides are great and HDL is great too, but just this over 300 LDL, I kind of think it's probably your genes at play here potentially. And so now it's a time to look at how is your fat intake faring? Are you getting these really good variety of fats every single day? Are you making sure to use the avocado oils and the olive oils and the nuts and seeds in order to get a lower saturated fat intake 
more polyunsaturated fats and monounsaturated fats throughout your day. Just again, it's all about this variety. And I think if you make more of an effort to do that and then test your cholesterol, perhaps in three to six months, you would see a change. You would see that come down. So Again, super long answer, but really what I'm trying to say is get your variety of fats and don't not worry about it at all, but just keep an eye on it. So anybody who has a higher cholesterol reading than they would like, just keep getting it tested. It's very easy to do. You can test it on your own even and get those orders. And I think it's relatively cheap. And just keep monitoring it every three to six months and see if that changes based on how you change your fat intake. And maybe worth it to get that 23andMe or some other gene test to see if that's what's actually going on here. It's just a suspicion I have, but I don't know you or your genes, so I don't know for sure, but seems like that might be what's going on. But your triglycerides are great. HDL is great. You're good to go there for sure. All right, next... Any tips for nursing moms on keto? I have a good established milk supply, transitioned slowly into ketosis, and have been on keto for three months. I lost about 15 pounds and seem to have plateaued for the past three weeks. I'm not sure if I'm consuming too many calories or not enough fat or if it's time to start cutting back on carbs. I'm currently right at 50 grams total. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Thanks. My advice here would be to get off the scale Stop focusing on that and what you need to do to stop your plateau and start focusing on feeding your baby and making sure they have the best nutrients, the best breast milk, as much breast milk as you can make, which sounds like you're doing good there. Just focus on that right now. Just take care of that newborn and enjoy being a new mom, or I don't know how many kids you have, but still a new mom to this particular one and enjoy that process and get off the scale for now and hopefully forever, but definitely just don't worry about that. I don't think it has anything to do with keto or what you're doing or calories or fat intake or anything like that. It's just because you're a mom and your hormones have just done a massive amazing thing. And now they're trying to rebalance themselves out. Your body's trying to get back to its balanced state. There's a little bit of stress, of course, involved in pregnancy and labor and delivery and all that stuff. That's trying to be sorted out right now. You kind of have a lot going on, not something to be really concerned with or to do anything different with your diet. Just really get those nutrient-dense meats and fats and veggies and enjoy your time with your baby. Next up, hey, Sean Miner, I am an athletic person, workout daily, would love to know more about cyclical keto and how to avoid muscle loss while following this. What does a typical day of eating and timing look like? I tried for about six weeks and my workout suffered a lot. I know there's a way to do it, although with all the information out there, I would love to hear from one reputable source. Thank you. All right, this is fun. And I actually did some research about this not too long ago for myself, and I think there will probably be be more of a full-length episode coming up about cyclical keto, perhaps, because I'm kind of making up my own. (laughs) So I want you guys to hear about that, but I'll give a little sneak peek right now. So a traditional cyclical keto diet looks something like this. You have five days of being low-carb keto, and then you have two days, which usually happen over a weekend or something, where you're high-carb, not at all keto. And they do that in order to refill glycogen stores. So those two days of being out of ketosis and high carb are basically replenishing all the lost glycogen that you've had over the week during your training sessions and just being really low carb for the week during those five days. I could see some benefit to this potentially for some people, more men than women, honestly. I think what makes more sense at least for me and i think a lot of you would agree if you're if you're someone who is athletic and you work out daily like myself and like this listener this probably makes more sense to you because we want to or at least i want to replenish glycogen in between each workout because that's going to make that next workout feel better, feel really good. And you need that glycogen to kind of enhance your workout. Even if you're burning through ketones during the workout, it still really helps 
pretty much every style of workout except maybe if you're just jogging or doing a run, not getting your heart rate up too much, something like that, you would potentially not need glycogen as much as other times. But every other type of workout, if it's remotely intense, you will need glycogen stores. You will need to start burning through glucose to get your workout started and to have that impact that you want it to have. So to not refill those stores for so many days in a row while you're still working out doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And that's not something that for me worked and sounds like it didn't work for you either. So not the right way to go. I really like the idea of doing cyclical keto in the sense of basically taking the times in between workouts or even right before workouts to potentially, it may throw you out of ketosis, it may not, take the time to replenish those glycogen stores. So for instance, say I work out Monday, I have this really awesome lifting session, I'm totally depleted, then either over the next few meals, or I take one meal in between that time before my workout on Wednesday, say is the next time I'm going to work out, I take that time to eat some carbohydrates in order to replenish my glycogen. Then I'm ready for Wednesday, I deplete that again, and then I take some time either over the course of a few meals or in one big meal with carbohydrates to replenish before my workout on Friday. Now, again, not even close to cyclical keto, the traditional concept, but what I think would work a lot better for a lot of us who do have more of an athletic lifestyle. So give that a try. See how it goes. Again, you might not even get out of ketosis if you're kind of spreading your refeed, I guess we can call it, although I don't love that word, but if you're spreading your glycogen refeed over the course of a few different meals before your next workout, it may not even kick you out of ketosis, which is so great. That's why kind of that place I'm in where I eat carbohydrates when I need to in order to get prepped for my next workout, but I still am in ketosis for most of the time. So it's really great. And then I may have time where I just want to eat all the carbs in one meal and that might kick me out of ketosis for several hours or half a day or something like that. And then I get back in. So you kind of also don't have to worry about that, which in cyclical keto, the traditional sense, you are definitely out of ketosis for that weekend off essentially. And you know, no big deal like we've talked about, but it just may not need to happen that way if you don't want it to happen that way. So there are other ways. I'd love for you to give this a try and see how it goes for you and keep me posted. Let me know. I'd love to hear your non-traditional cyclical keto experiment if that's something that works as well for you as it does for me. All right, next up. Possible digestive reflux issues aside, if I'm feeling hungry before bed and I'm assuming I'm well hydrated so it's not just thirst, will eating something small, maybe some epic pork rinds or nuts, prevent growth hormone from being released when it's supposed to during sleep? I've heard a few reputable sources repeat that message, but I'm conflicted because I also know that going to bed hungry can disrupt my sleep. I recently started a weightlifting regimen and want to make sure I'm not preventing growth hormone at night to ensure my muscles are getting what they need. Am I overthinking this or is it a legit concern? Would bone broth be the best choice in that situation? It's not every night, but I think it happens if I accidentally underfed on protein for that day. Especially now with weightlifting, I'm still getting used to adjusting my macros to compensate. Thank you. Good question. I think Yeah, there's definitely some truth to a little bit of inhibition of growth hormone if you eat right before bed, but I think making sure you have a good quality night sleep and don't cause your cortisol to spike, don't cause your blood sugar to dip, which are all things that happen if you go to bed hungry, I think that's more important of a concern right now. So I would definitely recommend eating if you are hungry before bed, and especially since it's not every night, it's not something that's a habit, just go for it. I'd much rather have you go to bed feeling satisfied and having a really good deep sleep. 
definitely will always choose that. There's plenty of other times you're getting growth hormone, so no need to worry. Even just because you're now weightlifting, that's going to have that effect regardless too. So you're doing everything right. I think that's great. What I am concerned with is that you now kind of understand why you are feeling hungry at night and it's because you have underfed on protein. So definitely keep that into consideration and really, really make sure like... I never want any of you to not eat enough food, but especially when you are working on building muscle. You cannot build muscle if you don't provide it fuel. So if you're not even providing your body with enough fuel to get through the general needs of the day, which is what would happen on a 1200 calorie diet, hopefully most of us aren't doing that anymore. Hopefully that's a thing of the way past, but just as an example... If you're not even providing the needs for your body to survive, you're definitely also not providing the needs for you to gain anything from these workouts. So I want to make sure that you're eating enough food and that you are really adjusting that as quickly as possible to get in the protein that your body needs to rebuild and repair those muscle fibers. And if it means eating four meals a day or just really making these massive meals, having your dinner be enormous, (laughs) which trust me, I definitely do after those night workouts I've been doing because I don't want to be hungry overnight. It's totally cool. Just really make sure you're having these nice, robust meals. And hopefully you won't even have to worry about this soon because you'll be satisfied before bed. And just side note, yes, you asked about bone broth. I love bone broth as a pre-bed snack. I think it is so great. It's doing so much good for you regardless. You know, it's such a nutrient-dense source of uh, a snack, basically. And you're getting all of those benefits while you're sleeping too. And especially with the collagen and the gelatin, those amino acids that are so great for repairing muscle, you'll be kind of getting that little spike of it right before bed, right when you need to repair anyways. So love that as your choice for sure. All right. Next one also has to do with human growth hormone. Can HGH treatment help with hormone balance on a keto diet? Do you see any benefits? Well, so everyone, I think I just said this, knows that HGH is human growth hormone. This is something that we all secrete naturally as humans, as the previous question showed, we do secrete a lot of it overnight. We also secrete more of it if we are in an active strength training routine. As we age, we start producing less of it naturally. And I think that's where it has started to become a trend, I would say, to begin treatment with HGH supplementally. So essentially, it's a hormone replacement therapy, you could think of it as. And I think most of you know, I'm not a big fan of hormone treatments. I think it can do a lot more harm than good in most cases. Of course, there's always some you know, reasons where that becomes totally necessary and a great choice. But I don't think this is one of them for the majority of people. HGH treatment was originally invented for people that had, you know, really serious health consequences where they basically weren't growing. They weren't thriving and growing on their own. And this would help kind of get them to a more stable growth pattern. But now people are using it that don't necessarily need it just because it's a boost in kind of anti-aging effects and naturally increases testosterone. It just really kind of helps people, I think, feel more athletic and more young, I guess I would say. But you're doing so with a lot of potential serious side effects. Some of them include nerve, muscle, and joint pain. You can have swelling or fluid retention, high cholesterol, numbing and tingling of the skin, cancerous tumors, heart disease and diabetes, enlarged heart, low blood sugar, liver damage. I mean, the list is pretty significant, in my opinion, for what you would potentially get a little bit of help with. Of course, one of the things I didn't mention is there's some claims that it helps with weight loss, especially in aging women. Again, not something that I think has enough backing behind it to make it worth the risk of what could be going on when you do supplement with HGH. So what I would do is 
of course, as you can see, not something I recommend. Of course, I am not a doctor. I do not do anything remotely with HGH treatments. So this is something that you would have to talk about with your doctor or with someone that you trust. This is all just information that I have kind of found over the past year or so, just noticing more women taking HGH. I think it's something that instead I would just love to see you try to boost your human growth hormone naturally. Get really good quality sleep. Make sure you are sleeping in a nice deep REM type sleep for the majority of the evening. That would be great. Make sure you're working out and trying to build new muscle fibers. Make sure you're eating real food, staying away from even sugar and sugar substitutes, even calorie-free sugar substitutes. Make sure perhaps to limit your caffeine or just you know really be aware of the caffeine intake, drink enough water, all the things that we talk about here to just be really good balanced, healthy women, that's also going to improve your growth hormone. All of this is going to work in tandem when we start just focusing on being healthy overall. So really long answer to say that it's something where I'd rather just see you do what you can do on your own. I think that's going to give you the benefits that you're looking for without all these potential side effects that could happen that would really throw everything off and you'll be starting to be honest, probably worse than square one, worse than where you're at now. So take a step back and and do what you can do naturally. All right, last one for the day. Another one talking about cholesterol. Hi, Sean, love your show. I've been keto for nine months. It has done wonders for my endometriosis and digestive issues. I just went in for blood work. I've always had really good all around numbers for everything. Should I be worried that this time around, my HDL was only 42 and my LDL was 107? Most surprising was my fasting glucose was 106. Everything else seemed okay. Total cholesterol 169, triglycerides 101, A1C 5.2, and total cholesterol HDL ratio 4.0. Thanks so much for all you do. First of all, awesome that you are having such great success with your endometriosis and your digestive issues. I think that's great. Your numbers, to be totally honest, I think your cholesterol is too low and that's something that I would be kind of working on with you. I want to make sure that your version of keto does include enough healthy fats and in a good variety, as we have just talked about earlier in this show, just really making sure that you're not just doing low carb right now, but really getting in those fat sources and at a good quantity that would provide, of course, ketone production, but also building the cholesterol to a healthy level and getting everything balanced out. This will also help balance out or increase your HDL, which is only at 42. We'd like that to be higher for sure. And it will lower your triglycerides. Again, if we have that high fat combined with the low carbohydrate, like we do here in keto. Uh, Triglycerides aren't bad at 101, but I'd love to see them a little bit lower. I typically look for anything under 100 to be in the safe zone, but you know, somewhere around 70 50 to 70 would be pretty cool, especially as someone who's keto. And then A1C 5.2, again, really great. I think that's awesome. I think it's showing that you're doing keto and it will probably get even lower as you continue to do keto, which is always a huge bonus. And lastly, you were concerned about your fasting glucose being at 106. Again, we talk about this quite often, just that quote unquote dawn effect of being in ketosis and having a higher blood sugar reading first thing in the morning when you're fasted. In order to really truly see how your blood sugar is doing, I would recommend starting to test your blood sugar postprandially. So after meals, so one hour after a meal and two hours after a meal, that will give you a way better idea of what's going on. More than likely, they're not going to spike all that much. And that's really what we want to see is that you are kind of in this steady place of blood sugars. And the Dawn effect is something we've talked about here on Keto for Women before, but I will talk about it quickly again for those that need a reminder. The Dawn effect is basically your liver dumping sugar into your blood early in the morning. So those very early hours, and it happens for your glucose dependent functions, which we all have in our body, even though we don't technically need carbohydrates, we do still have functions in our 
body that require the use of glucose. That's why our liver produces glucose. And this dumping typically happens early in the morning to get kind of all those systems ready to go for the day. So when this happens, you will get a rise in your blood sugar. So when you wake up in the morning, you go to get your blood tested. This is still something that's taking place in your body and it will show up as a kind of false high reading. I mean, it's not false because it's actually happening, but it's not showing any trend towards your actual blood sugar for the rest of the day. It's also a function that happens more so in people with blood sugar dysregulation already primarily going on, or even if that's something that was recently kind of healed up. So people with that may see it more often, and it is kind of signaled by the release of cortisol. So when cortisol is released early in the day, which happens to all of us, that's how we get out of bed in the morning, this is what will be signaled, this whole glucose dumping, I guess you can think of it, by the liver. It's all kind of a hormonal process, but then also a process to help your body function properly. So nothing to worry about is basically what I'm saying. And just something to keep checking, but also check those other blood sugar readings throughout the day just to make sure you're good. I mean, your HbA1c looks great, so I think you're probably in a great place the rest of the day. Nothing to be concerned with. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Keto for Women. Thank you all so much for listening. Make sure you are on the lookout for that webinar that will be coming up. And just to give you all a little teaser, it will be also a sneak peek of what's inside the new Fat Burning Female Project. So we're going to do that as part of the webinar. And also you'll have early access to enroll. So just, you know, don't say I didn't warn ya. It might be a good thing to be on that webinar if you do want to be part of the next class. Also, if you have just a moment, I would absolutely love to hear from you over on iTunes. If you leave a review for the show, let me know what you're loving. I would absolutely adore you forever, which I already do, but it would really seal the deal. It just helps so much with the show and getting it into more people's ears so that women can get the help they need. I think we all know that's what we all want to do here is just shed the light on keto for women and get more women in this healthy place that we're finding here on the show. So I'd love for you to do that. Just take a moment and head over to iTunes. It would be so helpful. Thank you all so much. And I'll see you next week. 